following message is from Narrative Church, a Lutheran church located in Williamson County, Texas. For more information, go to www.narrative.church. I'm going to invite uh, Pastor Mark Hunsaker forward for those of you who haven't uh, met Mark. Mark is planting uh, a church here in the area, but it's, it's an interesting new idea of how we can plant a church in the area. Now, in the next couple of weeks, um, we're going to have some time for Mark to share that with you all. We'll, we'll start advertising that here soon. And encourage you, um, when we share that, make some time to come hear about what God's doing, how he's at work um, in the midst of this. But I'll hand it over to you. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much, Pastor Ted. And I'm excited to share with you guys today, as we are... Uh, I have to tell you a story. We, um, we're, Pastor Ted was talking about, hey, I want to have this sermon series, New Year's Same Me. And he goes, and I want to culminate it when you tell your lightning story, which you're going to be hearing in a moment. And I'm like, oh, I don't know if that's right. Because if I tell that story, it's going to be emotional. It's going to be chaotic. He goes, it'll be great. So, so that's what we're going to do. So let's begin with a prayer to just ask the Lord to guide us through his word as we share some of our words together. Father, we love you and we thank you for all that you give us. And we pray right now in this time as we talk more about this new year, same me, and the brokenness that we all experience, whether it's coming from inside of us or outside of us or all of it, that we would be strengthened and encouraged by your word, that we would receive your grace and your mercy, and that you would pour out upon all of us your perfect peace, which is why we pray in the name of Jesus, your son, our Lord. Amen. So yes, New Year's same me, but what about when everything goes wrong? Everything goes wrong. And you know, you, you've had, I've, I've heard other people's stories of when everything went wrong. And so my story isn't the worst one you could hear. It's probably not the least bad one either. It's somewhere in the middle. And, and part of it, as I share my story today, what I in, invite you to do is to consider times that you've had in life like this. And if you're more than about a year old, you've had these times, right? Everybody's had, and the, and the older you are, the more of these times you've had, because this is the planet Earth. As Rich Mullen said, the best as I can remember it. And so when everything goes wrong, I have to tell you about this lightning story. And there's a picture up here. This is a stock photo, but you need to know it's very close to what we saw with our own eyes. When I found this photo, I'm like, oh my goodness, that's almost the same thing that we saw. And to tell the story, we have to go back in time just a little bit to the month of August 2023. Um, I, as Pastor Ted said, have moved, we've moved into this area now to be a part of a church planting movement as sent by the Harvest Partnership, um, which we talked about a lot and we'll talk a little bit more about today. But back in August, we had just begun the transition to this. And in fact, July 30th was my last Sunday at a church that we participated in the planting process there called Praise and Worship in Branson, Missouri. See, the emotions are already here because... Man, we were together for a decade. They're my family. It'd be like Pastor Ted saying, hey, guys, I'm out. No, And I happen to know he's never going to do that because this is his family, and there's so much more work to do here. But imagine the Lord coming and pulling him and saying, hey, and that's what happened to me. And so I had so much emotion. I was like, how do I, how do I leave my friends and my family here? I praise and worship. 
So we go home and we get our house ready, right? And it's this epic, like, I don't know if you've ever moved after living in a place for a decade. Like, that's, tr- that's, tr- that's, that's a lot of a job. And so we're working, we're getting it ready, and we had friends come over at the very last minute to help get our house on the market. And the last day when we got it all done, right before the photographer was to arrive, we are like, yes. So we go out for dinner to sort of celebrate. Some friends said, hey, come out to dinner with us. Let's celebrate. And, and on our way back, we're, 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 we're driving back to our home in Missouri, and we're kind of, we kind of live in a rural place. And so this picture almost shows exactly what we saw as we were within just a couple of miles, under two miles from our house, this blast of lightning. There had been a thunderstorm that rolled through, but it was pretty minor and no big deal. And it was kind of over, or so we thought. And it was so bright that both Debbie and I were driving. It just, you know, whoa, you know, and, and of course loud. And immediately I, I was thinking, and she was thinking, oh, that, that looks like from where we were, our car was pointed. That, that's like right where our house is. Surely not. No, and I immediately, now Debbie's a realist, I'm an idealist, so she's like, that's where, that was our house. And I'm like, no, 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 yeah, it'd be all right, there's no problem. And we, we, we come over the hill to our house, and there's this sort of cloud above our house. So I'm thinking, oh, thunderstorm just rolled, it's a little fog, a little steam, no, no problem. She's like, that's smoke. I'm like, no way, no way. So we get in, we get out of the car. My son Aaron and his wife Alexis were on the front porch and they come out to us and their eyes are about this big around and their hair is a little up and, and they're like, did you see that? Or, and, I, and we were like, well, we saw that. We didn't know we were seeing that. And they begin to say, yeah, lightning just struck here. And their ears were still ringing. We didn't yet understand what had happened. We go in, there's a, sort of bad smell in the house, but we can't quite figure it out. And, you know, after a little bit of looking around, you know, look, everything looked okay. Besides, this was our day of celebration. We achieved our, our work. We got all of it done. We're ready to sell the house. And little did we know that lightning had struck the pinnacle of the south end of the house. The bolt had gone directly into the attic and had burnt the insulation but in one, of, in one of many miracles, it didn't catch fire. But it did run through the, the, the wiring into our master bedroom and, and blow all those outlets out. It went down into the basement and it, it blew out all of our internet equipment and it destroyed my personal computer and it, and it, and it destroyed several other things in the house. And, 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 it, and it, we didn't know this. It had arced across into the garage and it had fried the garage door opener and it had arced across. There was a a storage container in our driveway called a pod. You know, you do that in your move, you know, and hit the top of that pod and then it arced across to my wife's Toyota Prius sitting right behind the Prius, right right behind the pod, and it hit that and it fried the Prius. We didn't realize it. And then it arced back even farther and it hit our well house for the house and it and it fried the, the, uh, the, the, the power condensing unit or whatever it's called, the power control unit. All of that had happened. We didn't know. So... The next day, or next couple of days, my wife had to leave for work to Oklahoma. We didn't know the Prius was dead in the parking, in the driveway. The realtor was coming. People were beginning to look at the house. We did know something was wrong because the water wouldn't work. The well was out. So we had called the people to fix the well, and at kind of a moment of comedy in this story, our first showings begin, right? And the guy's out at the well fixing it. 
And the lady, the first, the first family who arrived, who they wound up being the ones who bought the house, they're kind of touring the house. And normally you're supposed to be gone when, the, when your other people are touring the house. But I had gone out and discovered that the Prius would not go. And she had taken my car, so I'm just at home. And the lady looking at the house, she's headed toward the kitchen. And I'm thinking to myself, she's going to turn on the faucet. And nothing's going to come out. And that's going to be so sad. But about that moment, I see the well guy kind of come out. And he's doing one of these things. And she turns the faucet on and it works. So I was like, that would at least caught that one thing. But what would unfold over the next few days was nothing short of when everything goes wrong. We were supposed to sell our house. We were supposed to move to Texas. We were supposed to do all these things. We had this timeline. We had all these plans. We had all these expectations. And it all was messed up because we started to discover what I just told you had happened. We didn't know it had all happened. All of these things were wrong. The second or third day, I'm sitting on my front porch as this time now the garage guys are there to fix it. And they keep finding more is wrong and more is wrong. And, you know, we have a very tight budget. And they're telling me, I'm expecting, you know, $100, $200. They're like, yeah, that'll be $1,800. You know, and you're just like, oh. And I'm like, think about it. My heart was... We had just made this epic decision to go to follow the Lord on his call to Texas. And only a couple days after my final time of sharing God's word with my community of faith that I had been a part of for a decade, now our house gets struck by lightning. Because when you're trying to discern God's will, that's just a little bit too much on the nose. You know what I'm saying? You, know, you start to saying, well, did we read all of this wrong? Is everything wrong? Why, why is this happening? Those of you who have had terrible things happen in your life, have you ever asked that question? Why, oh Lord? You should read the Psalms. There's a lot of times the psalmist asks these questions. And I'm, I'm asking this question. I'm sitting on my front porch. The guys are coming in and they're like, oh, this is broken too. And, oh, that's broken. And I'm starting to just want to give up. I'm starting to want to run away. And what I started to feel was shame, fear, and guilt for Maybe I've chosen wrong. Maybe I've not understood the path I'm on. Maybe I've not, not received and heard God's voice the right way. I had searched his word. And so in that moment, as I'm sort of praying, these words from Psalm 70, we're going to take a look at Psalm 70, verse 1. I want you to see these words. We read them earlier together. I was sitting there, and you know how it works when you're just like, you're sort of almost dry heaving. I'm like, Lord, what are we going to do? And somehow, some way, I think it was like a friend's social media popped up on my phone quoting this verse. Make haste, O God, to deliver me. O Lord, make haste to help me. So here's, here's what I'm saying. Here's what I see the psalmist saying is that, Lord, I need you to come now. You know, so oftentimes we're taught well, you just have to wait on the Lord, right? And, and I mean, we, you know, we, we know that from Psalm 40 and other places, or excuse me, Isaiah 40 and other places, and we wait on the Lord. But this time I was like, I can't wait. I'm supposed to, we were supposed to be leaving in a few days to go and to 
do all the things we needed to do. We had to find a house. We had, to, in my case, I'm, I'm a bivocational. We like to say co-vocational church planter. So I needed to get a job going. You know, I was just all these things. And what are we going to do? Lord, I need you now. I need you to come now. And I felt like he was not listening to me. And so I began to pray and pray. Now, you need to understand at this point in the story, I'm on the porch. The guys are fixing the garage. There's more people looking at the house. There are these one people that are kind of walking out. We had sort of a, uh, the previous uh, owner who had, who had built the house, they had, they had planted what they called their little mini orchard. So they're like out in the mini orchard. It's like four trees or five trees. But, you know, it's like a little mini orchard. So they're out there and they're like, they're asking me all these questions. Hey, tell me about these fruit trees. And I, you know, in my mind, I'm like, I have no clue about the fruit trees, guys. And I'm just melting. And so I'm walking out into the grass, and they're sort of, and they sort of linger away. And you know how you know how have you ever had it? And maybe you guys don't experience this, but where you just lose all your inhibitions, right? You know, there's like social cues, like you don't scream in front of people in general. Now, you know, there's some football on today. I might scream if the guys in red and gold win. But but the idea is is that you 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 don't typically let go in the in front of other people. But I was at my wit's end. And so after they asked the question, I should have walked away. And I'm like, I need you now, Lord. I don't need you later. I need you now. Make haste to deliver me. And I just begin praying it over and over and over again to the point that I'm going crazy. And I want you to see, I kept going. Psalm 71, verse 1, take a look at it. It says, it says that, he says, In you, O Lord, do I take refuge. Let me never be put to shame. One of the people came up to me and they were like, you know, what's going on? And I told them the story I'm telling you. And they're like, wow, you've got really bad luck. <laughs> and I'm thinking to myself, you know, now, you know, if you know Mark very long, I'm just like this geeky guy. And I'm like, there's no such thing as luck. And I want to start throwing theology at you. But at that moment, I was like, maybe they're right. Maybe God is really just had it with me and he's like you are not doing the right thing and 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 I told you I felt shame and when that person said maybe you just have really bad luck I felt ashamed even more and I want you to ask yourself is are there times that you've made choices or things have happened outside of your control that make you feel ashamed and what do you do with that shame because what we do I know what we do in our sin is we start to we start to shrink and shrivel and, and fear and, and, and anxiety grips us and holds us and won't let go. And we feel like there's nothing we can do. It becomes the most real thing we can experience. And it's like, this is more real than anything because I need God to step in. And it was, it was like, we're kind of past the platitudes. You know how Christian platitudes are? You know how they just, I hate them. People are like, oh, well, it'll all work out for the best. Now make no mistake, Romans 8, 28. This is God's word. All things do work together for the good of those, for those who God, who love God and are called according to his purpose. So we're not going to delete that verse just because it's a platitude. But, and it's not a platitude, but what people say are, because what they're meaning is, you know, turn that frown upside down, right? And I'm like, how about you just come and weep with me? Because that's where I'm at right now. And, and we as followers of Jesus, one of the things I'm learning in the midst of this story is that it is very appropriate to sit down and weep with Jesus. One of my favorite verses is John 11, where Jesus is about to resurrect Lazarus, his friend. 
He has just told Mary and Martha that he's the resurrection and the life. That if we believe in him, though we die, we will live forever. And then as he approaches the tomb, it says Jesus wept. He even knows the answer. He knows what's about to happen. But he himself felt the weight and the enormity of the brokenness of our world of sin, death, and the power of the devil that you and I live in, breathe in, and drink the water in every day. Oh Lord, do you, do you I take refuge? Let me never be put to shame in you. Take a look at Psalm 97 verse 4. I kept reading the Psalms because it's all I had. And I felt like the psalmists understood where I was coming from. And so I'm reading Psalm 72 and 73 and 74 and 76 and 77. By the way, Psalm 77, it's coming up in the upcoming Psalm series. You need to make sure and zoom in on that one. There's this powerful time of letting all of our tears flow into our couch, right? That's Psalm 77, 78, 79. I made it all the way to Psalm 97, guys. I'm still, this is, so it was like early in the day, and now it's like middle of the day because I'm having to wait on all these people fixing all the things at the house, and I have to be there, and the car doesn't work, so this is where Mark's at. And I come across Psalm 97, verse 4. His lightnings light up the world, the earth sees and trembles. Did you catch that? His lightnings light up the world. And, you know, me being the geeky theology guy, I got to go study the original language. I got to understand the context. I want to find every other place this kind of construction appears in the Old Testament. I'm doing all those things. And like my little phone is just like getting hot because I'm opening the apps and doing all this study right on the spot. And, and, it's, and it's a hot day in Missouri that day. And so what's going on here is then I, I discovered that this is this idea of this illumination. The lightning is actually doing something to help everyone see to help everyone see. Because I couldn't see, I wouldn't see what he was teaching me, what he was giving to me to help me grow when everything goes wrong. And I pray that as we go a little farther here, he will help you grow so that when you face those moments when everything goes wrong, you will understand there is so much more going on than just what you and I are feeling. Make no mistake, we have got to be honest with our feelings, our experiences, and what, what is happening. And we must never delete those or, or, or denigrate those. But he is working. Take a look at Luke chapter 10, verse 3. Jesus is, the reason I bring us back to Luke 10 is because this scripture was on my mind because I'm like, I'm supposed to be called by the Harvest Partnership. Guess where the Harvest Partnership starts, like gets all of its language from? Luke chapter 10. Jesus said, Pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest that he will send harvest workers into the field because the harvest is plentiful. And we kind of live in a culture. I don't know if you've ever experienced this culture where everyone just kind of complains about how bad it all is. I don't know if you've ever experienced that culture. I have experienced some of that. And every once in a while, I might participate in it. And, and, and this is kind of how it works. And meanwhile, Jesus is like, dude, this is a slight paraphrase. Dude, the harvest is plentiful. The harvest is plentiful, but guess what it is? President Newman was here this last Monday for an event here at the, at the uh, Mission Center here, and he said something that this scripture, I didn't really fully understand even until he said it clearly on Monday. He said, ministry involves risk. That's just what it is. That's what it's all about. Jesus, 
told us this in Luke chapter 10, verse 3. He says, go your way, and behold, I'm sending you out into a nice place of rainbows and unicorns. That isn't what he said. I'm sending you out as lambs in the midst of what? Wolves. This is the world you and I live in. And even when we're trying to do God's will, maybe especially when we're trying to follow God and to do what he wants us to do, it's going to go even more wrong. Because we're going against the grain of the universe. We're going uphill on this planet's the way that the, just the way that the gravity goes. We're going, we're trying to escape the Earth's gravity, you might say, and we need the biggest of rockets. But every time you start doing this, you're going to encounter the wolves. So imagine what would happen in your life and in my life if we didn't measure our success by our circumstances. Or if we measured our circumstances by God's word rather than our feelings. There's another scripture, Romans, excuse me, 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 7 through 10, Paul is having a terrible time with something he has experienced and he pleads for Jesus to help him. And Jesus says, my grace is sufficient for you. And then he says something none of us want to hear. My power is made perfect through your weakness. if we looked at our circumstances not as a measurement of our success or failure, but if we recognize that no matter where we're at, New Year's, same old me, and especially when everything goes wrong, he is, we sang it earlier, he is faithful. Those are the circumstances by which we measure our life, by his promises and by his word and by what he says to you and to me. We measure it by that. Take a look at Luke chapter 10, verse 18. I want you to measure your life by the word of Jesus Christ, the son of God for you and for me. He said to the disciples, I saw Satan fall like what? Like lightning. And he fell. And, and when, when Jesus has said, people debate in, in, you know, all kinds of what does this mean? Is this allegorical? Is this literal? And I'm like, yes, all of those things and probably more. And so what is going on when Jesus says this? Because one of the questions, one of the questions that always haunted me as we were going through this experience was why did God wait to do the lightning until our car was pointed straight at it? He wanted us to see it. He wanted us to see it with our own eyes. To not wonder what had happened. To not, no, we saw it. And even as I was denying it, and my wife, as usual, she's like, it's the truth. Let's deal with it. And you know, what's going on? And when Jesus says this to the disciples, he's telling them about the reality of the world they're in. Yes, sent in, sent out as lambs among wolves. Yes. But the wolves have no fangs. They have been pulled out. The claws of the dragon are empty. And as David Meese once sang, for those of you who are really old, he once sang, the empty claws of the dragon proclaim the victory of the sun. The empty claws of the dragon, they proclaim the victory of the sun. And Jesus is talking about that victory right here. Satan has fallen like lightning. He has no power. He has no authority. And what happens when you and I face when everything goes wrong is he is sitting there going, see, see, gotcha. See, he 
doesn't actually love you. See, you finally made that decision one too many that crossed the line that has destroyed you. See, look at how terrible you are. You are trash. You are garbage. This is the kind of lie, the kind of insidious, terrible, hideous language that fills our bodies when the devil comes and tells us what we should do with our circumstances, how we should measure them. But what would happen to you and to me if we believed these words of Jesus? We didn't get caught up in whether it's allegorical or literal, because it is. It's both of those things and more. Very literal, but also very much a reminder for you and I that the devil has no claws. His his fangs have been pulled out. He has no power over you and me. Remember what Jesus said as, as he comes out and he's proclaiming the great commission to the disciples. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them, teaching them, telling them all those things. But right before that, he said, all authority in heaven and on earth have been given to me. He acquired that authority by dying on the cross and by rising again for you and for me. Take a look at Luke chapter 10, verse 20. Nevertheless, Jesus says to you and to me, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, or that, you know, and to use my language, that the, that the claws are empty or that the fangs have been pulled out. Do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rejoice that what? That your names are written where? See, and what you need to hear me say to you today, and much more than just me saying it, it's like Larry read earlier, Luke chapter 10, verse 16, he who listens to you listens to me, and he who doesn't listen to you doesn't listen to me, and he who doesn't listen to me doesn't listen to the one who sent me. So when I say the words, I'm just a yahoo from Missouri who's still trying to figure out how to put his pants on and pay the rent. But what I want you to understand is the Lord of hosts is saying to you that your names are written in heaven. When you hear the words and they somehow go into your heart and the Holy Spirit enlivens your heart and gives you the power to think, is that really true for for me? (laughs) Now, this is is one of my liturgical, like, you know, yes, right? It's like, bam. Yes, it is true for you and for me. Jesus said, rejoice in this. Because no matter what you face, no matter your circumstances, no matter your situation, no matter what it comes, where where it falls or where it climbs, whether you're on the mountaintop or in the deepest, darkest valley, it is true that Jesus Christ died for you. It is true that Jesus Christ rose from the dead. And it is true that because he is risen, everything indeed works for the good of those who love him. And so here I stand many months later, just only beginning to understand what has happened to us, but having a greater ability to trust the Lord than I ever would have had had it, had it not happened. And I think that's maybe just the beginning of what he gave to me, and I pray boldly that he will give that to you. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we ask you boldly that you would help us remember that our names are written in heaven. That you would help us remember that it was Satan who fell like lightning that you would help us remember that that lightning illuminates the world, that you would help us remember that when everything goes wrong, you are still with us. And whether it's our fault or other people's faults or nobody's faults or whoever, it doesn't matter that you are with us and that our names remain written in heaven. 
And that what you're doing is strengthening us and making your power perfect through our weakness. And you're guiding us to see how we can continue to join you even when everything goes wrong because it is you who has never left us. Let us remember your faithfulness, O Lord, which is why we pray in the mighty name of Jesus who lives and reigns with you, Father, and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Amen.